Welcome to the Four Downs Fantasy Podcast, where we're going to bring you outside the box thinking. I'm Kilby O'Rourke. I'll be your host. With me is Scott Smith and Andrew Scherer. Well, guys, we just wrapped up our auction draft for our Dynasty League. That went very interesting. Definitely some interesting things going on inside that. So let's talk about it. Scott, what was one of your biggest takes from the auction? Um, you know, one of my biggest takes is just going to be another year of uh, domination for me. You know, it's, it's oh. the all-time the all-time wins leader in the league right now, tied with one other person. So, I, you know, I expect to be in the playoffs again. You heard that? You heard that? All time is wins leader. Yet there's no banners flying. Now I'm not. I don't have any banners flying. But I mean, come on, man. You're gonna flex on that when you haven't won anything yet. You gotta flex on the hopes and dreams, right? <laughs> I do agree there. I do agree. There. <laughs> well, it was fun. Kind of go ahead and get the season started. I mean, going into the draft season, getting that auction out of the way. I know I was a little nervous. This was only my second one. It went kind of fast for me. So looking at it and seeing how high some of these players went was pretty crazy. For anyone that doesn't know, we play for rea- uh, in the reality sports online platform, and it's 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 a it's a lot of fun. It's it's definitely more intense as far as managing player contracts and signing them in the off season and seeing what some of these players went for was pretty crazy. Well, Eric Ebron, one year was it twenty eight million? Is that what he went? Twenty six million one year <laughs> wasn't me. Look, Jack Jack Doyle is 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 still alive. I'm pretty sure he's still there. So, <laughs> hey, you know, I mean, it's one year. Throw it out there. Hey, I didn't sign him, but I'm just saying, no, one I year comes I, off no, the I, books. I agree. I agree. I just the you kind of look at that and your your mind goes crazy. But I mean, look, I, we we love him. I love James White. You guys knew that. You saw me gunning for him in that auction. What did James White go? I think James White in our league guys went. Was it three years, ninety three million dollars? Yeah, that was a little bit off the charts. I mean, the running back, you know, the running back depth is is kind of slim pickings there in that league. But uh, uh, you know, the owner that made that move, he got his guy. That's all I can say. Yeah, I, I think you know maybe before the season starts, we'll touch on people who go into auction drafts. But you know that there's a line that's got to be drawn. You know, it's like when does you know when does when do you have to stop? Like, I feel like, you know, if you don't spend your money, I mean, like, if, you know, you, you don't take your money home. That money's not coming into your bank account, you know? So if you don't, if, you know, if, you, if you're not going to use it, might as well spend it, right? I guess to an extent. Well, that was the philosophy I had going into it because I had uh, right at 90 million to spend. So I knew I was going to go in and just pay for some one year contracts and then look for some cheaper developmental players. And one of the, one of the, uh, bidding wars that I got into was with uh, one of our buddies, George, over Mark Andrews. And I just, <laughs> I could not get him to lay off. He was going to hit that button no matter how high the price went. And finally, I think around 13 million, three years, something like that. I just, I had to back off and I knew, I knew he wasn't going to let him go. So that's where I was with that. Guys, let's move into some player news here. Andrew Luck is still in the news. Will not practice next week, but he was spotted throwing and running during walkthroughs. Are we still any getting any kind of nervous about this situation here? What do you think, Scott? Yeah, I think uh, I'm not too nervous about him. I just think it's it's just management is what they're doing. It's early in the preseason. 
you don't have to worry about anything because he's not going to play hardly any snaps in the preseason up until that week three game. So until they hit that dress rehearsal, I'm not really concerning it, concerning myself with his injury. I, I think it's just going to be a management thing. The fact that it has been lingering around for, for two months does cause some concern as far as the way they're managing it and the fact that it has lingered. But because it's been that long that it's been going on, it makes sense for them to be resting him right now in training camp. Andrew, what do you think? Yeah, it's, um, you know, we'll get into quarterbacks today, but I think it's something that I'm going to stick with what I said last week. You know, until I don't see him out there week three, I, I, I won't be concerned. You know, however, I guess when we get in our rankings, it, it, it kind of does, I guess it does linger. I mean, you have Andrew Luck, in my opinion, who's close to someone like Aaron Rodgers. I think they're right there. So, I mean, hey, I mean, maybe during your draft right now, you might be like, okay, well, why don't I just take Rodgers? Because Luck hasn't been on a practice field yet, basically, so... Not super concerned, but, you know, I just I think I, I got to give it three more weeks. And if I don't see him out there, then I'm going to be pretty nervous because, I mean, it's got to be it's got to be draw draw. It's got to be concerning to to draft a player in maybe the sixth or seventh round to be your QB one. And he's not touching the field until until week one. Right. I mean, that's got to be some kind of concerning. Right. Like you don't know what you're getting, especially for people who have already have already done their drafts. And they're sitting on him and they're just looking at this news, pacing back and forth, wondering what is, what, what's going to happen here. So it'll be interesting to find out. I personally, right now, I'm not too worried about it. So we'll see how that turns out. Another guy that's in the news, and this guy actually wasn't in our notes, and I'm going to throw him out there, is Antonio Brown saw a foot specialist. Now they're saying they're not exactly sure what the issue is, but he posted a picture on Instagram showing the bottom of his feet and it looked like they were heavily blistered with some skin falling off. Right now he's viewed day to day. Have you guys seen this news? What do you think about it, Andrew? Yeah, it's it's uh <laughs> it's pretty gross. You know, I was actually, you know, it, it's funny. I was actually kind of relieved. Um, you know, I, I think the headline the headline read Antonio Brown to see foot specialist and I got super concerned. I mean, you start going into the um plantar fascia area and that's 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 an injury that could take people out for 12 months uh so i got concerned but just see was just blistering i'm not super worried about it i mean i don't know the seriousness of blistering for football players i know in baseball for pitchers it's a big deal because you know you, you throw the foot you throw the baseball and you, you know, your fingers are blistered you can't throw the baseball effectively but in football it's bottom of his feet he seems day to day it's training camp so he's just probably not going to risk it so not super worried yeah, it's actually a little bit more serious than you would actually think. What he has is actually called trench foot. And it, it's actually a serious issue because the, the bottom of the feet actually just gets soaked with uh, moisture and, and continue it. You see it a lot in ultra marathon runners and, and people in the military as well. Um, it actually comes from way back in World War II when you had uh, soldiers were actually digging in trenches in, in the water and they couldn't keep their feet dry. So that's the issue that he's having. And the, the problem is, is having the, the surface and the skin grow back because of how deep the tissue damage actually is. So it's a little bit more serious than just regular blisters going on there. And uh, I mean, if you, you read between the lines, how many times have you had to go see a foot specialist because you had a blister on your foot? So it, it's something that's a little bit concerning because I, I really don't know what the treatment for it is or how long it takes for that, that skin to actually resurface and heal itself. And, and if the skin actually continues to have, you know, damage to it with the, the moisture and stuff that goes on there. So it, it's pretty serious. I, I looked at the pictures and I'm glad it's not my feet. Do you think that's something, though, that you wouldn't you'd move him down a spot or two? 
you know, I'd consider it if there's there's players right there in, in that range. I think I have Antonio Brown ranked seventh, kind of in that second tier of wide receivers. I, I would definitely pick my number eight guy, Mike Evans, over him. There you go. Okay, interesting. Deontay Foreman, waived by the Texans and just signed with the Indianapolis Colts. Any kind of fantasy implications there? Or do you think they're just adding depth? Uh, Andrew? You know, it's so funny. Um, I, I was shocked by this news. It's It's almost like... Houston needs to hire a GM maybe maybe a GM would be cool to have down there for them uh, because I think it was kind of reckless for them to release him unless he's that far off slash but you know the way that they made it seems that he's been having attitude problems so I don't get that but anyway um it's it's an interesting look in redraft maybe not so much I I think I'd probably let him go undrafted honestly in redraft Uh, but when it comes to dynasty and keeper leagues definitely someone to keep an eye on Marlon Mack has that injury history so you know you're banking on him getting hurt and you're also just banking on Foreman being healthy. I mean, he came back from a torn Achilles, which is, it's a hard en- injury to come back from. It's one of the hardest injuries in all sports to come back from. So, you know, it's a, it's definitely something to watch in the preseason. I, I would definitely pay attention to the Colts preseason games because I'm sure they're going to, they're going to kick the tires on Foreman and see what they have in them. Scott, any thoughts on this situation? Yeah, for me, I think the big, the the really big takeaway with this is uh, what's going on with the Houston's and Lamar Miller. Um, even with Foreman going, I, I'm not moving Miller up my rankings. I'm not really moving him anywhere. I just think he kind of stays flat there. I think they're going to bring somebody else there in in Houston to go ahead and compete, or at least you know take some of those touches away from Miller. Uh, as far as the Colts go, when you start looking at the the depth they have at running back, Marlon Mack's going to be the top guy, and Naheem Hines is is probably going to be their receiving back. You know the the person that I think this has the most implications on is Spencer Ware, who's also been hurt there in, in training camp. So it's probably going to come down to to Dante Foreman and Spencer Ware kind of competing for that same spot and. And even with that, you're looking at him being third on a depth chart at best. So, yeah, it, it's somebody I'm not really looking at as far as, uh, you know, redraft goes, like Andrew said. But in Dynasty, he could be a deep stash. Yeah, and let's not forget Jordan Wilkins is still there in the mix as well. So we can definitely see how that backfield shapes up. But it seems like it's pretty set in stone with Mack and then Hines as your pass catching back. So Jerry Jones has come out and said that he believes he's going to get Zeke, Amari, and Dak all re-signed. It's been interesting roller coaster here with Zeke, everything that we've been hearing about him in the news. We've touched on it in the first episode, but what do we think about it now? Sky, any any difference in your feelings here? You know, I don't have any difference in, in my feelings. Uh, we're talking about a week later here, and, and Jerry Jones is – you know, saying what he needs to say in the media to to get his guy in. It all comes down to money, and I think the bottom line is whenever you start getting closer to these games and, and you start missing game checks, Zeke's going to come there and he's going to be in camp. It, it doesn't make any sense for him to hold out. He's going to miss too much money. So the way I feel is the way I felt last week. If if he's there week one, I'm comfortable drafting him. But if my draft rolls around, he still hadn't reported. You know, I might get one of the other guys that are right around there. I'm I'm comfortable with David Johnson. I'm comfortable, you know, with um, Alvin Kamara and, and the other guys that are right there. So he, he'll show up. Andrew, what's your thoughts? Yeah, I actually, I really, you know, I, I think Scott just said that perfectly. I don't really have much to add, but I, I think it, it's, you know, it's Zeke playing his cards and it's Jerry Jones playing his. So I think he's throwing those other names out there just to kind of maybe make Zeke feel like he's got to come back and uh, be a part of the team. You know, we'll just see how it plays out, and I'm not too concerned as of right now. Yeah, it's good old-fashioned cowboy standoff here. You know, that team, young, 
basically in a, in a Super Bowl window, you, you know how Jerry Jones is. He typically likes to throw his cards on the table and, and go at it. So it'll be interesting. We'll, find, we'll see how, how this all folds out. So another interesting thing going on here in the Kansas City camp, we've got Damian Williams, who has been unable to practice, and Carlos Hyde has been taking most of the reps with Darwin Thompson being mixed in, a little Daryl Williams being mixed in. What do we think about Damian Williams right now? He's someone that's been high on a lot of people's draft boards. Andrew, give us your take on that. Yeah, so I actually, you know, I I, I actually, you know, I, I talked with you guys and I brought this up and you know, I brought this up because so on Saturday, you know, we heard we actually heard from Andy Reid. He mentioned in his presser, you know, Carlos Hyde looks good. He's taking advantage. Then out of nowhere, I don't know if you guys knew this. I, there's a reporter. I don't know if he's a credited reporter for the, uh, you know, for the Chiefs. And he mentioned today that he would not be shocked if Carlos Hyde was cut. Um, so that kind of really today it threw me through a whirlwind now of course and in our dynasty league I, I gave him three years so maybe that's not smart but I just I, I it really just made me stop and really get confused um it just really got me confused with you know we have no Damian Williams one guy saying Carlos I make it cut a few other people are saying he looks good I'm just uh, just kind of confused so I'm actually uh I, I think I'm eventually I think I'm actually kind of entering the worried stage, uh, at least about Damian Williams. I think I'm going to have to shoot Damian Williams down in my rankings and probably keep Carlos Hyde kind of for, far down too because, I mean, I just don't know what's going on out there. I do think it's a little outlandish for Andy Reid. Apparently seemed frustrated at the fact that Williams isn't out there, but at the same time, you know, it's the first week of August. Do you want Williams forcing himself to be out there? So I don't know. It's just a lot going on, and I'm kind of just at the point to where if I'm in a redraft league, I want to just throw a dart at Carlos Hyde in the middle rounds and then throw a dart at Darwin Thompson at the end of the draft. But I, I'm just I kinda I'm kinda at the point where I'm starting to get confused. Yeah, as far as I'm concerned, Damian Williams has been that guy all off season long where the line is drawn in the sand and you either stand on one side of that line or you stand on the other. For me, even regardless of his rankings, it, it just takes a lot to draft Damian Williams with any sort of confidence in that, that early two to, to three round range where he's been going. And a lot of people are just hung up on Andy Reid's offense, which has been great to running backs over Andy Reid's career. But when you start looking at the talent that's Damian Williams, you're talking about an undrafted guy. You know, they, they picked him up basically off the scrap heap from Miami last year. And he had a good stretch after, uh, you know, down the end of the season, but he has no history of doing this. And now all of a sudden we're, we're expecting a, a 27 year old guy who's undrafted, hasn't done anything in his career up until now because of a, a small sample size at the end of last season, just to be a bell cow. That's worth, you know, jumping over the red caution and, and, and just going ahead and draft him in, in a second or third round. I've been out all off season long on, on Damian Williams. I'm not, not going to take him on any of my rosters, you know, any drafts that, that I have, it's just too much risk involved with them. And now with him not practicing, whether Carlos is there or not, you know, Darwin Thompson could very easily be a more talented back than what Damian Williams is. So, and, and you know, just to mention it, they also got a pass catching back out of, out of Washington State who's pretty good as well. So, you know, he was undrafted, but you start looking at Andy Reid's offense, Andy Reid will find somebody to produce there, and it doesn't necessarily have to be Damian Williams. That's very, very true. Now, let me ask you this. 
if this hamstring situation continues to linger and we move on into the draft season and Damian Williams starts to drop, is there a point in which he drops? How far would he have to drop to where you might go, I might have to take him here? I mean, you start looking the Rashad Penny range, Chris Carson, somewhere in that range. Uh-huh. You know, I, I'm talking like fifth to sixth round. I'm just not in on a Damian Williams hype train there's there's wide receivers i like in that fourth and fifth round range more than i like damian williams if you look at your your draft rankings and and you you look at the running back rankings for anybody and and you look from running back one to running back say 16 and you ask yourself which one of these guys could most likely be dropped off of my roster if things break a certain way and damian williams is probably the most likely guy to come come to mind when you start looking at these guys of who would you most likely cut if you you know if you drafted the wrong guy and and he's a guy that could very easily end up cut off of some people's teams based upon the way things break yeah i i don't i don't disagree with what scott said but you know i look at um you know this might be a good segue into maybe a next news item but i look at someone like philip Lindsay, who i want to drop down further because of theoretic but when I get into that Damian Williams, Kenyon Drake range, I almost, I'm almost tempted to pull the trigger on Damian Williams and maybe the end of the fourth or the early fifth, just because my thought press, my thought process behind that is that in a redraft league, if I can get Damian Williams that late, I can definitely get Darwin Thompson late, and I think I think it's either going to be Damian Williams or Darwin Thompson producing the most in that backfield. Um, I could be wrong, obviously, but. Man, I just have a feeling that Damian Williams could scatter around all year, then get healthy at the end of the year and go ballistic again. So I, I, I'd i be interested in end of the fourth, early fifth. And I'm not saying it's the reason I would draft him, but I just I think if I can lock down that backfield for a late fourth, early fifth, and then maybe a round 13, maybe stretch on Darwin Thompson a little bit, make a little, a little, a little bit of a stretch, I think I might would be interested in doing that. Yeah, it's good you mentioned Philip Lindsay there. Theo Riddick was signed by the Denver Broncos today, and it's going to muddy up that backfield a little bit more. What do you think about this, Scott? Yeah, I think uh, the big thing is when you start looking at running backs that are going to produce, you want guys that are catching the ball and running. And uh, I think Philip Lindsay finds himself in a, in a rough situation being an undersized back. He did produce last year. Um, Royce Freeman didn't didn't come on quite as strong as what a lot of people thought there in preseason, but uh, he's having a good camp by all means. And, and I think when you start looking at things, the roles are going to be a little bit changed in, in the sense that you're going to have the, uh, their catching passes. I think Freeman's going to get more run this year. So I think they're going to use Lindsay and kind of dial back on some of his carries to keep him fresh. After all, he is like a, a good bit under 200 pounds. So, um, you know, it, he's a guy that I think you have to move down. You know, it, I want guys that are, are going to be three down backs and be bell cow backs and get the majority of the, the run. And I don't know that Lindsay's going to get as much as what he got last year. So I think you can expect him to fall down to earth a little bit. Yeah, this this uh, this terrifies me, honestly. I think I, I just I, I don't get the signing for one. I think um, I think, you know, the hype train, I mean, it could just be all hype. But you're hearing a lot of Royce Freeman talk out of that camp that Freeman's looked improved. He's looked better. You know, Freeman was someone who put up like 6,500 career yards at Oregon. I mean, Freeman had a hell of a year in college, uh, in his college years. So you're, the, the Freeman talk, the Lindsay talk, and now theoretic. I just, I'm not super excited about it. I actually just moved Philip Lindsay down to my rankings. I'm probably going to put him right in that 20 
two-ish range. I actually um, am the rare person, and I have David Montgomery as the highest rookie running back, I think. You know, I have him at around 21. I'd probably push Lindsey back behind him, honestly. I'm just, I'm losing interest in David and Philip Lindsey because of Theoretic. I think Theoretic is going to be someone who could run around in the slide. He could help out Joe Flacco. I mean, Riddick can catch 60 balls this year easily, probably more. So I just I don't like it for Philip Lindsay's value at all. I'm I'm actually really upset by it to be honest because I thought Lindsay looked great last year. I thought he was impressive. He reminded me a little bit of some Alvin Kamara last year. Alvin Kamara's rookie year, just maybe a little bit less elusive. But just I'm just tremendously upset. And um, I think you know with Lindsay, you're just banking on um, talent trumping all here, and just hopefully he shows up and he's talented. Yeah, coming out of Jaguars camp, we have Marquise Lee looking, he's still not practicing, dealing with the knee issues, looking to have an, more of an insignificant role here. You've got D.D. Westbrook, D.J. Shark, and Chris Conley running in three wide sets so far. Not sure how I feel about this Jaguars offense right now. I mean, I'm excited. I'm excited to see what's going to happen with Nick Foles. I, I want to see what he's able to bring. But right now, this, this wide receiver core, it's not really exciting me. Uh, what do you feel about this, Scott? Yeah, Marquise Lee wasn't a player that's on any of my draft lists that I'm even considering. I think when you look at that that talent that they have there at wide receiver, you're talking about D.D. Westbrook. I, I'm actually a lot higher in our rankings than what you guys are, but I think he's going to be the guy that goes ahead and, and, and kind of plays that, that Stephon Diggs role that he saw last year in, in their offensive coordinator's offense there in Minnesota. So D.D. Westbrook's the guy, and, and D.J. Chark. He's a guy that has talent out of LSU. He's, you know, deep ball, you know, kind of wiry guy. And uh, he's got some some quicks. And uh, I saw a nice diving catch that he made in Jaguars camp. So it's only Twitter highlights. But like I said, I don't have much on Marquise Lee. He's not on any of my boards. He's not somebody I would recommend for anybody to draft. Yeah, I think um, I think the Marquise Lee news caters more to kind of what Scott just mentioned. I think this is more of D.D. Westbrook news and Chris Conley news than it is Marquise Lee news. I think Marquise Lee was expecting to be ready for the season this year. Um, and I mean, look, he wasn't a viable, huge fantasy option in redraft leagues, but that was someone who was going to take targets away from D.D. Westbrook, who, in my opinion, is the most talented receiver they have. So now that I kind of have this news that Lee is going to, I mean, it basically sounded like he's not going to be on the field. I think that's big. I think I'm going to move D.D. Westbrook up in my rankings. Um, I won't move him to where Scott has him, but I think Westbrook. I think Westbrook is going to flirt with being a flex op, flex option flex option this year and I think that's where the importance of the news kind of kind of comes from. All right guys, today's our quarterback show. We're going to get into our rankings, but before we get there, let's discuss some of our philosophies as far as what we do when we go about drafting quarterbacks. And we're speaking primarily in redraft leagues. Right now, I'm going to start with Andrew here. What is your general philosophy when it comes to drafting quarterbacks in a redraft league? Yeah, so my philosophy, um, you know, it, it's kind of technically kind of all over the place sometimes. I know you have, you know, you, ha- you have people who stream quarterbacks, um, you know, who will draft a quarterback in the last few rounds and then kind of just stream week to week. Um, you know, I've seen success with that. I, I've won a league doing that before. So you have that option. Um, I'm not too fond of that option just because I think the way the quarterback position is now, the way the NFL is now, I think you can find guys in the late rounds with some upside. I think you look last year, and Patrick Mahomes is the example. I drafted a lot of Patrick Mahomes as my second quarterback, and it turned out pretty well for me. Um, And I think you have that this year with guys like Jimmy Garoppolo, uh, Lamar Jackson. You just have younger younger guys 
towards the end of drafts, so you can just go for it. So my philosophy is simple. Just basically wait, wait, wait until I see something that I think is a value. So I have someone right now, like, just so I'm not, like, just going off my Jameis Winston love, but I have someone like Carson Wentz, who I have ranked 10th. You know, if, if Wentz is lasting till quarterback 14 or 13 or something, I'm probably just going to jump in. So it's really just wait. It's kind of a combination of waiting slash value. Um, I, th- I think that's kind of the way to, to go because while I don't like having a top quarterback because I don't want to pay that price, if I see quarterback one drop to, you know, maybe 14 or 20 picks below his ADP, I might just jump in and get him. So it's just kind of, I just kind of weigh it like that. Scott, how about you? Yeah, I'm kind of with Andrew. I'm all over the place with a couple of caveats. You know, my basic philosophy when it comes to quarterback, dependent upon league scoring setup and things of that nature, don't be first and don't be last. That's that's pretty much how I am. The reason I don't like taking a quarterback early for the most part is because you don't know when that run's going to come. You know, I've I played in a lot of expert leads where you play in expert leads and the quarterbacks are devalued. They're, it's a onesie position. You only have to start one unless you're playing in a super flex or, t- or two quarterback league. So you can wait. You can put them down that board after you kind of get your wide receivers, get your running backs out of the way, and maybe even one of the elite tight ends. So if, if you don't know when that run's going to happen, you don't want to be that first guy getting hung up and, and, and overdrafting them, drafting them too early. You know, you play in more amateur or home type leagues where you don't have quite the high stakes, you know, players that that are normally in there. And a lot of times the quarterbacks will go early. So that's kind of how I play it. Now, the two caveats that I kind of go with a, a little bit away from that is I like to stack. I like stacking my quarterback with my wide receivers or with my tight end. I just think the the volatility you have week to week to and, and to get those high scoring games when they hook up together is worth it to me. And that's what that's what you need in the playoffs to win. A lot of times you need, you need those big games. So I'll try to stack my quarterback with my wide receivers or my tight end. And then the one other thing that'll make me draft a quarterback a little bit earlier than I normally would. If you play in a dinosaur league, and by dinosaur league, I mean standard league, which I play in one (laughs) where I've been in this league for 20 plus years. It's a standard league, and you got some people that don't want to change. It's also a a six points per touchdown league. So in those leagues, when you have the Patrick Mahomes, the Andrew Lux, the Aaron Rodgers, the guys that are hitting 40 touchdowns plus in a season, those guys have more value in a standard league where you're not dealing with, uh, you know, the the wide receivers getting a, a point per reception and the, the running backs and, and things of that nature. So the scoring is really kind of offset in, in, in the quarterback's favor for that. So in those type of leagues, I'd reach a little bit higher for a quarterback than normal. But generally speaking, I'm going to be somewhere in that middle range. I'd probably be like the eighth or ninth guy to take a quarterback in the league unless something crazy happens or if there's like a, a nice stack that I want to reach for. Let's go ahead and move into our rankings, guys. I'll take a look at let's say quarterback 25 to 36. If you are drafting and streaming, is there any guys in here that if you did miss that quarterback train, who out of these guys would you jump on Scott? Yeah. So looking at our rankings, I'd have to start off with number 26 and you know, number, number 26, we're talking about Andy Dalton, that, that Zach Taylor's the off. I mean, the, the head coach there, he's going to be calling the offense and he comes from, 
you know, that lineage that you're looking at the Rams and, and some of these other teams, and a lot of people are, are kind of high on, on what Zach Taylor could possibly bring to the Bengals offense. And my concern is that offensive line, and you have A.J. Green down, but of the guys that, that are down there past uh, 25 for us, Andy Dalton's probably the only one that I'm really, like, looking at seriously to consider streaming. Um, you know, he, he'd be the one that, that I'd look at, but there's, there's not too much down there. I, I'm not high on really any of the guys it'd be interesting to see what ryan fitzpatrick brings after blowing up in tampa bay last year and see what he can do in miami but i i'm not really not looking at any of the guys in this area you know i'm actually um you, you know it's this is just i mean i think you know kilby said it best i think you know hey these are the guys that you, know, you kind of miss on and you just maybe maybe it's your quarterback too it's someone you can stream. I'm actually, I, I'm, I'm pretty interested in Nick Foles. Um, I know that might sound weird. You know, I'm really just interested in Foles from a few standpoints of, I think John, uh, John Filippo. I, I think they're going to throw the ball. Um, I, I, th- I, th- I, I would be shocked if he comes in there and they're getting, giving Leonard uh, over. I, mean, I, I think, I, look, I think Leonard could easily carry the ball 300 times, but I, I just don't see Filippo completely selling out for the run um, in Jacksonville. So I kind of like Foles. I'm just curious on that. I think you'll be you could really get Foles off waivers. Um, and they actually have the second easiest schedule against the pass. They're playing some weak secondaries. So I think um, Nick Foles would be my pick. And uh, if Nick Foles wasn't available, I'm totally on board with what Scott said. I think Scott brought up a lot of points about Andy Dalton. You get a healthy Tyler Board, healthy healthy uh, Joe Mixon, healthy AJ Green. Dalton can put up a viable fantasy off uh, fan, fantasy season. One guy I'm looking at, and uh, you can shoot me if you want, <laughs> but I'm looking here at Marcus Mariota, and I'm going to tell you why. He's in a contract year. This is a, this is a make or break year for Mariota. I know, you know, he came out his rookie season, and he looked like quarterback of the future. He looked like he was on fire, and then suddenly his development just kind of stalled. And so now we're sitting here, and he's come up on his contract year. He's got something he needs to play for, and. You know, as a streamer, I you know I take a I take a dart throw at him just to see how this unfolds because I mean he's got you know a, he's they've been building the wide receiver core around him and so now he's got some weapons to work with. There's no excuses. He's getting Delaney Walker back, which is his, secu- his security blanket. So I'm really interested to see how this really unfolds. Now the scary part is he is learning his third new offense in the past three seasons, so that does worry me a little bit there, but. I mean, if I'm taking a dart throw, I wouldn't mind taking a stab at him here. Yeah, I've I've drafted Marcus Mariota like I think once, at, like every year, like just hoping, like just hoping, like just just hoping. But uh, you know, here's a stat for you. You know, Patrick Mahomes threw 39 more touchdowns than Marcus Mariota. Uh, I mean, Marcus Mariota threw 11 touchdowns last year. So that's I'm just man. I'm uh, he scares the uh, ever living crap out of me. Well, that's why we're talking about streamers here. So <laughs> of no course, one, no, of I don't course. Think you, I don't think anybody's jumping, jumping at the, at the inner, but like I'm taking Mariota right now. So yeah, there right, guys. Let's let's check out next tier here. We're gonna look at quarterbacks twenty through twenty five in our rankings. Andrew, anything in these in this tier that's jumping out for you right now? Yeah, um, you you know I'll, I'll talk about them a little later. Um, so I, I won't go too far into it. But when I'm looking at twenty through twenty five. Um, it's really Jimmy Garoppolo. Um, now th- these are our cumulative rankings. So I mean, obviously, you know, th- this isn't ADP or anything, but we we have J- Jimmy Garoppolo as our quarterback number twenty together, um, and that's just kind of a guy that I'm really interested in. I, th- I think he's got a small sample size. 
Um, a stat I actually read today is uh, Baker Mayfield has thrown 150 more pass attempts than Jimmy Garoppolo has in his career. So I think that's pretty astonishing. I just think we haven't really gotten the full scope of who Jimmy Garoppolo is. Um, he's got a great, great quarterbacks, uh, quarterback. I wouldn't say whisperer, but he's got a great quarterback coach and, you know, Kyle Shanahan. And I think, I think it's going to be super interesting to see what he does. You know, last year he was putting up per game basis in fantasy right around quarterback number 12 overall. So I think getting Jimmy G um, in that range is, is a real good upside play. I think he's one of the better second quarterback on your team. So if you draft maybe someone like a Philip Rivers in that range, even someone like a Kyler Murray, you know, I think Jimmy G would be a nice little backup because I think the upside with Jimmy G is 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 top 10. Yeah, well, let's actually talk about the guys that we have here in, in, in this, this little group. We have number 25, Sam Darnold. 24 is Josh Allen. 23 is Derek Carr. 22 is Matt Stafford. 21 is Mitch Trubisky, who a lot of analysts, uh, I, I like Lewis Riddick a lot. He's got Mitch Trubisky as one of his sleeper quarterbacks this year, and a lot of people think that he could take that next step. And then number 20, you talked about Jimmy Garoppolo, but... My question's for Kilby because Sam Darnold is 25 in our, our overall rankings, but Kilby, you have the highest at 20. What's your thinking on that with Adam Gase there? Well, looking at Sam Darnold, he really started to come on at the end of last season. You know, it just seemed like he it, the game started to slow down for him a little bit there, and now that he's gone to a more offensive-minded coach, and I don't even know if that's really something that's going to be changing his mindset. Like, the guy's come in, he's a gunslinger. You know, I mean, just having this new offense and them trying to build around him, I feel like he's going to be able to come into his second year and just deliver more of what second half of 2018 Sam Darnold brought. So that's what I'm kind of looking at is just just him being able to elevate his game, like coming into his sophomore season. I think the kids got it. Some of these other guys that are around him, I just... You know, I just don't know how I feel about them. And I just I just like what I saw from Sam Darnold in the second half of last season. So that kind of bumped him up in my rankings. And then, you know, I, I'm not a huge fan of Adam Gase, but I do I have seen what he can do with that quarterback position. So I'm just really interested to see where Sam Darnold takes his game uh, in 2019. So what you're saying is Adam Gase really brought a lot of confidence in what he did with Ryan Tannehill in, in Miami over the last few years. I mean, I, I, I just tend to disagree. I, I know quarterbacks generally take that leap in the, in the second year, but I mean, I'm looking at Sam Darnold and a lot of people have been hyping up, oh, second half of last year. But when I, I look back, I mean, from week nine, 1.2 points, you know, against Buffalo, he had 9.8 points. Houston, 21.6. Green Bay, who had a horrible defense last year, 26. And then he finished the year off against New England and put up a whopping 7.5. It doesn't give me a whole lot of confidence. He had some better games, you know, around week five, six, seven. But, you know, I, he's just not a guy I'm targeting there. You know, I, I'd, I'd actually rather with less weapons, Josh Allen and the Russian upside that he brings that late in, in, in this category. But, uh, you know, I think another guy you can look at is Derek Carr. You know, Derek Carr had a, a miserable season last year, let a lot of people down. But when you add in a second year with John Gruden, you're bringing over Antonio Brown, who's been the best wide receiver in fantasy football since Jerry Rice. And, and you know, Tyrell Williams is another underrated signing. And, and we're getting whispers out of, out of Oakland's camp about Darren Waller, you know, stepping it up at the tight end. I, I think Derek Carr is a guy that could be viable in that range. I, th I think you bring up 
Yeah, really great points. I think if, if people really don't know maybe who Tyra Williams is, Tyra Williams has been very good in his time uh, with Chargers, and I think that's an underrated part of you know the addition to Oakland. Um, but you know, my concern just – I have a lot of concern with Derek Carr. So you know, my thing about Derek Carr is you know, coming out of college, I just didn't get it. I, I didn't really buy the Derek Carr hype. I was like, man, you know, I just, just didn't get it. But then, you know, he, he took that huge step in year two and three. I mean, he looked great. I mean, the guy, he was arguably an MVP candidate, but before he broke his leg, I think that's what he did. I mean, the guy completed 64% of his passes, 4,000 yards, 28 touchdowns, and six touchdowns in 15 games. I mean, he was going to realistically put up 30-plus touchdowns, 4,400 yards. I mean, the guy looked great. So I think it's there for him. I'm just... I don't know. I'm just I'm just super nervous with can he get back to that? You know, last year he threw for the most quiet 4000 yards I think ever. I just I'm just I'm just nervous about him, but you know, I think the cool thing about our rankings and the cool thing about it is, I mean, look, Derek Carr's coming off the board for us as the 23rd overall quarterback. I mean, that guy gets dropped. So, you know, when I'm in this range and I look at upside, I see Jimmy G, I see Trubisky, I see Carr, I even see Josh Allen. I see a lot of guys who, who have upside. Now, I wanted to bring it up, and I guess I'll just bring it up now because I'm kind of talking about upside. I'm curious. I have Josh Allen 21. You guys aren't high on him. I'm just curious why. Um, just Josh Allen last year averaged 19.5 fantasy points per game. He played in 12 games, and he finished at QB 23. So why do you think he takes a step back? Any of you. I'd love to hear it. <laughs> Uh, my 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 thing is is I don't think a lot of the offensive coordinators or defensive coordinators really ready to see Josh Allen run as much as he did. Um, I mean, we all know that. I mean, we we've seen him throw. I mean, it, he had a connection there with Robert Foster, and that was about it. And the rest of it, he was just running his lights out. And I think at some point in time, that defensive coordinators are going to cue in on that, and they're going to be able to put a stop to it pretty quickly. Yeah, I actually agree with Kilby. Um... You start looking last year, and there weren't a lot of weapons there. You got John Brown. You bring in Cole Beasley. Zay Jones is sitting there as well. Robert Foster's probably the wide receiver for. I, I think they're lacking any type of top-flight weapons, and I think the accuracy issues were there last year. Josh Allen's got a cannon on him, so hopefully he can hook up with, with John Brown on some of those deep throws. But I, I think defensive coordinators, after getting a year's worth of look at him, they're going to force him to sit in that pocket, and I think they're going to take advantage of, of some of his accuracy issues. So I, I think he does have some upside with the Russian. You know, I still think he'll get some yards. I think they just didn't realize how athletic he was as far as being able to do some of that stuff. But I think he could have a, a little bit of a sophomore slump. And, and, you know, just just generally a lot of other guys in that range just have better overall weapon. Just curious. You know, we all have Matt Stafford in the same range. Matt Stafford was somebody who was a top 12 quarterback, you know, heading into fantasy years. Uh, is Matt Stafford officially done as a quarterback with top 12 upside? Scott? Yeah, he- he absolutely is in my book, and it's more because of Matt Patricia and the offense that they want to run over there. I think you're going to see a lot of running the ball you know, over there. They, they did get TJ Hawkinson, and I think that'll help some in the red zone. But you also have Marvin Jones coming back healthy this year. you know. So you just have to look. And I, I think they're going to be a very conservative offense. I think Marvin Jones and 
and Babytron, as they're calling them out there, they're going to cannibalize each other a little bit. So I just think you're going to see a lot of ball control defensive type of things. I just don't see them in a lot of shootouts. I think they're just going to be too conservative for Matt Stafford to get the type of volume that you want for him to move up. And I definitely, with as deep as the quarterback class is, he's not going to be in that QB 12 range at the end of the year. I just don't see a way for that to happen. Kilby, I'd love your take on, you know, the way you talked about Josh Allen, I found it really interesting. I just, when you, you were talking about it, I immediately thought of Mitch Trubisky. And I'd love your take on Trubisky because we saw Trubisky last year as a guy who ran around a lot. You know, do you like Trubisky? I see you have him lowest out of all of us at 22nd overall. I really have no idea how, how to feel about this guy. He He's an athlete, that's for sure. And he, he can run. It's just how to go about this with Trubisky. I just don't have a lot of faith in him as as a player, as a leader of that team. The, the offensive scheme is there. He's got all the weapons around him. I just, I don't know. I just, for me personally, like if I'm going out and drafting, I uh, Mr. Trubisky is not someone I'm looking. Like if he fell in my lap as a value, maybe. But I just, I, I just don't know how I feel about the guy. That's that's my biggest issue with him because I, I just don't think he's that true born leader that's going to take this team to the next level. I mean, he had some really explosive games right there in the middle of the season, but outside of that, it was a lot of hit or miss for me. I agree completely. I, I just, I, I, I think you, it's funny how you said it because like, it's kind of like, okay, well, we're analyzing these guys, but I can agree with you when you say like, he just doesn't do it for me. Like he's just, there's something about him. That's just, I, I just, I'm totally right there with you. I actually have him below Jimmy Garoppolo and I'm, I'm going to wind up moving him down. Just, I just, he, 24 touchdowns last year. It seemed fluky in my opinion. I just uh, think you bring in David Montgomery, who I think can be an incredibly good running back. I just, I don't like the upside for uh, Trubisky. Uh, Scott, do you, do, do you really have anything to add for these group of quarterbacks? No, I mean, this is kind of that blah range of quarterbacks that nobody's really going to do anything to get you excited. If you have to stream them on a week against good matchups, you, you'll probably do it. But, I mean, to be honest with you, other than Garoppolo, none of these guys will probably be a QB2 on any of my teams. Yeah, so, look, let, let's move on to this next tier. I think Scott said it best. I mean, it's kind of the Blair range of quarterbacks. But now we get into a range where... We have some guys ranked, and I can tell you right now, sure, it's 15 through 19, but there are guys who I really like. So let's go number by number here. Kirk Cousins, we have him as number 19 overall. Uh, then we have Lamar Jackson at 18. Then Tom Brady at 17, which is kind of insane to say. I think Brady was a top 10 quarterback heading into last year. And then Dak Prescott at 16. And then the rookie, Kyler Murray, at 15. Scott, let's start with you. Tell me... Who sticks out for you in this little range? And I know you, you, you've you you've had some love for Kirk Cousins, but is there anybody in this range who you're kind of really excited for? Yeah, I'm actually really excited for all of the guys. Maybe not so much as Tom Brady without Gronk and, and kind of having some confusion there with who's going to stick out with the weapons past Edelman. But I think when you look at this range, this is kind of the range that you saw Patrick Mahomes in last year. This is that group of quarterbacks that you can get late that has that high upside that can finish as a top four or five or even six, you know, somewhere in that range type of, of finish on the year. And I think when you start looking at it, they all offer a little something different. You know, you've got Kirk Cousins that's got 
two great receivers out there in Adam Thielen and Stephon Diggs. You've got Lamar Jackson, who's the hype train can't get loud enough, you know, with the with the whistles going off on, on those tracks with, with the running. And, you know, word out of Baltimore is that he's throwing the ball extremely well. Tom Brady's the GOAT. You know, so so how much do you really discount him? I know I know Andrew, me and you argue over that. You're, we're you're not a little we're bit not more on the Aaron Rodgers uh, <laughs> side, but I'll throw that joke in there. And, and then, you know, you got Dak Prescott and once Amari Cooper went over there to Dallas last year, they showed a real good connection and, and Dak looked like he could lead that offense to to do some things. And then the maybe the biggest hype of all of them is Kyler Murray and that Cliff Kingsbury effect right now. So all of these guys have something to offer that you can look at. And, and you know, I, I call this the one night stand division, of, you know, the one night stand tier of quarterbacks. So, you know, you go out in college and you're just looking for one girl, you know, late night at the bar that just has that one nice redeeming quality to take home for a night. And I think all these guys offer that. Yeah, but I'm looking, man, this round of quarterback, I don't know if it's a it's the one-night stand girl, because I don't know about you, but if I'm taking home Kyler Murray, I want I want him to be my, uh, my, my uh, not knight in shining armor, cause, uh, but like kind of my my guy to lead me throughout the year, right? I mean, I'm not looking for someone to get me by, right? I mean, I mean look, uh, he, he, here's an interesting take, and I'm going to throw this to Kilby. Lamar Jackson, uh, Coach Harbaugh said, uh, when asked about Lamar Jackson running the ball, how many times is he going to run the ball? The reporter threw out some numbers, and then he got to the record, the, the record for quarterback runs. Jim Harbaugh said, I'd pound the over. So they're, they're going to run Lamar wild. So you look at someone like Lamar, you look at someone like Kyler Murray, who's probably going to run wild too. Is that something you're considering when drafting these guys? Like, do you take, do you look at these guys and say, they're going to run the ball a lot, so I should take them earlier, if, if that kind of makes sense? It does. It does. One of the things I definitely look at is the rushing ability. You know, the the, the NFL is definitely moving in a different direction with that. And these running quarterbacks, especially for fantasy, tend to have higher floors. And that's one of the things I definitely like to have, the, you know, especially when, you, you know, most leagues you're getting, what, one point for 20 yards or one point for 25. And then for every, you know, when they're rushing, they're getting one point for every 10. So that just elevates their floor that much more. And so that's definitely something I'm looking at with uh, Lamar Jackson. I mean, it, good Lord, the guy ran a ridiculous amount last season and very effective at it. Uh, so far, everything I've been seeing in the offseason is that his throwing ability is definitely improving. He's definitely continuing to improve that connection with Mark Andrews. The rest of his receiving core, you know, is yet to see what's going to develop of that. So it'll be interesting to see. But yeah, I, I definitely like the upside there of having a guy that can really break the run like that, score those six-point touchdowns. Of course, again, again, that, that depends on your league, whether you get four points or six points for a passing touchdown. Does running quarterbacks, when they rush for those touchdowns, get you that six points versus the four versus throwing is, is, is a big difference. It adds up at the end of the season. So I definitely look at that as a contributing factor of who I'm going to take within that range, whether I'm going to take a Tom Brady or a Lamar Jackson or a Kyler Murray, I'm definitely going to take the upside in Murray or Jackson in that situation. You know, kind of playing off that, Scott, I just want to hear your take because I'm super intrigued by it. Kyler Murray. So Cam Newton's rookie year, uh, if you remember, Scott, 2011, 23 fantasy points per game. I mean, you know, we look at rookie quarterbacks in fantasy, and let's be honest, we don't think of them to be guys to contribute I mean you can consider Mahomes a rookie if you want last year but I mean we knew what the guy can do he was a second year player 
but he's a rookie. Can Kyler Murray match what Cam did? I mean, Cam scored 23 points per game that year. He was a top five quarterback, I believe, in fantasy that year. He ran the ball 700 yards. I mean, do you think Kyler can be a uh, to be a Cam Newton, 23-plus fantasy points a game? Look, the upside is definitely there. And I think the big thing that you have to start looking at when you're talking about this Arizona Cardinals offense with Cliff Kingsbury is going to be the pace. They're going to be in shootouts. That that defense isn't terribly great. And, and I think when you start looking at how long and how familiar he's been with this offense, you know, we're talking about a Heisman candidate, you know, that won. You look at his his numbers and how he played last year and how much he has control of that offense and how he throws the ball. I was watching training camp the other day on NFL Network, and he throws the ball with ease. He, it's smooth. It's a natural delivery. The ball's got a tight spiral. He's familiar with this, this, this spread offense that you're going to see out there. And I just think the pace and the numbers are going to put him up there. And I, I felt like I was being conservative, you know, putting him where, where I had him. At, I have him at 13. You know, he's, he's 15 overall on, on our board. But, you know, I kind of wanted to put him uh, ahead of some of the other guys that I have right there in front of him and, and Russell Wilson and, and Drew Brees. And, you know, that's, hey, I, I think the sky's the limit for Kyler Murray. The only reason I don't have him higher is because I haven't seen it in the NFL yet. No, Kilby, you have Tom Brady 19th, which is the lowest out of all of us. I'm not a huge Tom Brady guy. I just I think I think his time is coming. Um, but, you know, you have him lowest. So, um. You know, what are you thinking about Tom Brady? Are you kind of eyeing him, or is it just, would it be, you know, your second quarterback slash if you can get him at a, you know, basically a free value? Yeah, Tom Brady's just one of those, like, we, we went back to the first episode with this. I just don't know how to feel with this team this year with Gronk being gone. You know, that takes away, you know, someone stretching the seam for him. You know, he's got Edelman, he's got James White, a lot of dink and dunk. Just I I just see this team playing a lot of ball control here, maybe a little bit a slower pace. So that's why I kind of dropped him down in my rankings a little bit. I mean, Tom Brady is definitely going to be Tom Brady. I mean, he's going to go out there, he's going to throw the ball, he's going to score some touchdowns. But I'm just wondering how many because I really see this team this particular season just playing a lot of, of of ball control versus just putting up gaudy numbers. That's just kind of why I dropped him down in my rankings a lot. Yeah, I'm I'm right there with you, honestly. I just. I'm kind of worried about it. You know, I just, I think it's going to be a lot of dink and dunk, and I could be, it could be the, the Sony Michelle, Damian Lewis, Damian Harris, and James White show. It could just be an, an interesting fantasy aspect from that New England offense this year. Scott, even Scott and Kilby, you know, you guys can both touch on this if you want. I don't know if you play in two quarterback leagues. A lot of people are kind of into that. But, I mean, look, if you were in a two quarterback league, this has got to be the range where you can win a league, right? I mean, you could go someone like a Phillip Rivers and then pick one of your guys right here, like Kyler Murray, Lamar Jackson, or even Dak Prescott. I mean, this could be, this could be your league winner right here. Yeah. You know, Superflex is kind of getting real popular with some of the two quarterback leagues. And I think the biggest thing is that quarterbacks have been devalued for so long. So Superflex leagues are starting to put more value to get the quarterback back up there and some of the the onesie positions. But I think when you're looking at it, Hey, I'm comfortable. If I grab two of these guys and, you know, any of these guys have, have that upside that, that can, you know, maybe not win you the league, but they're going to go ahead and give you the value you need at that point in time in your draft. And I think they'll be consistent enough on a week to week basis to, to go ahead and give you the numbers you need to go ahead and win games. Yeah, I've played in Superflex since 2006, and one of the things that I definitely, it took me some time to learn there was that, you know, a lot of guys were just taking, I mean, first two rounds was nothing but quarterbacks, 
And one of the things I learned there is that you don't, even in a super flex, you still don't necessarily need to take a quarterback that early. You could still wait. I mean, yeah, it does increase their value. Yeah, you're going to take them a little or, or a lot earlier than than redraft, but you could still find two solid quarterbacks and then maybe even pick up a third, you know, uh, for bye weeks late, late in the draft and still be fine because you know you need those skill position players. So it's one of those things. Yeah, you I, honestly in this middle round, if I took two of these quarterbacks in the middle round in a super flex, I'd be ecstatic with that. To be honest with you. I agree completely. Uh, anything we, anything else we uh, didn't really mention, Scott or Kilby? You know, you, you guys, a few guys in this range. Is there anything we didn't touch on? No, nah, I think we need to just bounce to this next next tier, and it's 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 a whole. It, I really don't think that this next tier has a whole lot separating it from the tier that we're talking about right now. And uh, you know, when, when we start looking from from ten to to fourteen. You know, it, it's you've got some reliable names that have been there. You know, 14, we've got Ben Roethlisberger. 13, Drew Brees. 12, Russell Wilson. 11, Philip Rivers. And, and 10, your guy, Jameis Winston. You know, I, I think you start looking at a lot of these guys. There's not a whole lot that separates these last two tiers that we talked about. And I would actually combine them if I'm really breaking down, you know, the tiers. Just you, you've got some of those guys on the downslope like Philip Rivers and Drew Brees and maybe even Ben Roethlisberger with Antonio Brown leaving. And the other tier that we just talked about, it's a little bit younger guys that are on the upswing. So it's really where did they cross over and how comfortable do you get? I actually think some of these guys in this next tier right here are going to be overdrafted just on name value alone. Yeah, I agree completely. I think you look at you, you know, I can remember the days, you know, Russell Wilson, Drew Brees, you know, those are guys who were, you know, top three quarterbacks I mean, those were guys where who were getting drafted in the fourth round I mean, I mean so it's just kind of amazing to see how it's fallen but I, you know I'm not super I'm not super excited about any of these guys I had a lot of Ben Roethlisberger last year he dropped in drafts and he put up top receiver number top quarterback numbers excuse me he was quarterback number three last year threw for 5,000 yards but look you know I love Juju Smith-Schuster I think we we all do I know Scott me and you do especially but you know, there's no Antonio Brown there. I mean, Juju can only do so much, so that's going to hurt Ben. And James Conner looks phenomenal on the ground. I mean, they could switch their entire offensive identity. So I think you look at a guy like that, you look at Russell Wilson, who I have the lowest. Just there's the pass attempts are not there for me, and the rush attempts weren't there for me. I think Russell Wilson used to get a lot of fantasy value with his legs, and you're just not seeing that last year. He's getting older. So these guys are just... People, I'm I'm really just gonna avoid except for Jameis Winston. I think we know I'm the highest on him, and you know, talk about him a little later. But I just I'm not super thrilled by these guys. I guess I like the idea of Philip Rivers if Melvin doesn't come back. But I, I think at the end of the day, Melvin comes back. I think it just depends where you get him. You know, going back to where I said, uh, you know, it just depends. Yeah, I, I'm all for Drew Brees this year too. I think I think Drew can have the potential to. <laughs> I, I think I I think he could literally throw between 3,800 yards and 4,200 yards and somehow fall his way into 35 touchdowns. I just think that's possible. I just think he's got that new red zone target in Jared Cook. I just think that offense is so good that you're kind of just going off of Drew Brees and maybe he'll fall into the end zone. But again, I mean, name value might shoot him to the top. So I'm just, I'm going to be cautious about this group. And I think I'd rather just wait for, you know, quarterbacks number 15 through 19. 
Yeah, I have to agree. I mean, especially when you talk about Drew Brees. Drew Brees is that constant. You know, the yardage hasn't been there. He's going to get an added target in and Jerry Cook. But even last year, Drew Brees was still 10th in, in fancy points per game among quarterbacks. You know, 23.6 was tied right there with your boy, Jameis Winston, last year as far as points per game. So I think of that group, he's the one that's consistent that you you can get what you what you think you're going to have. But the problem is, I just think name value is going to bump him up probably a round or two, especially in, in some home leagues. Definitely, definitely home leagues. Kilby, uh, I would love to hear from you. In this range, Kilby, I mean, I see how your rankings go, but just who are you who are you really eyeing? Because I, I see, you know, we you know we have a discrepancy in Philip Rivers, um, and I see you're on the Jameis hype train with me, so that's a good thing to see. But who in that range do you kind of really like? Yeah, I definitely I bumped up Jameis just recently, just after seeing the, um, uh, just just seeing it, just kind of putting it all together. Because last season we were dealing with a whole lot of things with him. It was a whole whirlwind. He had the suspension. Ryan Fitzpatrick was there, and to start the season, Fitzpatrick was just on fire. And then you know, of course, Fitzpatrick comes out and does his four interception games. So comes in Winston. Winston, you know, not sure where he stands with the team, has his issues there. So it was just like an up and down. And then all of a sudden it just feels like towards the end of the season, he really started to catch on. I mean, he's still still got the interceptions there. But now he doesn't really have anyone behind him. I mean, he's got Blaine Gabbert. I mean, he's not really having to worry about that right now. He's got Bruce Arians coming in. And Arians, you know, just he has a way with quarterbacks. And I'm kind of looking at Arians really just digging into Jameis here and saying, hey, look, if you just listen to what I have to say, we're going to make beautiful magic out there on the field. So just listen to me. And that's really what I'm hoping for. And that's, I mean, I raised them up. That defense is horrible. I really see them in a lot of shootouts. So a lot of throwing. So I raised them up more or less just for what I think is going to be just a, a higher volume of throwing. If he can mix in some running there too. I just, I, I like his floor this season. As far as Phillip Rivers, I'm a little lower on him mainly because, you know, I mean, he's got Mike Williams there. He did lose Tyrell Williams. He's got Hunter Henry coming back. He hasn't really been able to develop a lot of chemistry with him. We're not sure what's going on with Melvin. I, I just don't, I just don't know how I feel about that drama that's kind of going on in that situation they still don't even have their own stadium yet so it's like you know they're not it almost has that feel of like not even having a home game all season long so i just a little bit lower on them in that aspect i mean i like philip rivers the player but it's just the whole situation that's going on right there is where i'm just a little bit lower on him scott i i i just have to ask you because you know, there's two quarterbacks in this range who me and you have pretty drastic discrepancies between. That's Jameis Winston and Russell Wilson. But I guess this will be for both of y'all if y'all want to comment. I have Russell Wilson as my 16th overall quarterback. That's kind of crazy, right? I mean, am I just, you know, what's going on? Why do I have Russell Wilson so far down? Well, it's easy. I mean, 16 is exactly where he finished last year as far as points per game among quarterbacks. But the volume's just not there. At least it wasn't last year. It's something I've gone back and forth with, and it just boils down to who am I going to trust more, Russell Wilson or Jameis Winston? And I think one of the things that I started to look at is that Seattle Seahawks defense is just not what it used to be. It is no longer the Legion of Boom. Earl Thomas is gone. They're not getting pressure on the quarterback the way they have in the past. And I just think they're going to be in more shootouts. It's not going to, they're not going to be as run heavy as what Pete Carroll would like that team to be. So I think they're going to be forced to pass the ball more. And I think he'll be in that, that 10 to 14 range is kind of where I have him. I, I could see before drafts, 
moving him down a couple spots. But I, I think right now where I have him priced, uh, I actually have him as my quarterback nine is a little bit high. I need to move him down a couple of spots. But, you know, really when you're when you're in this range, you're pretty much going to get what you're what you're paying for is, is the way I look at it. I, I think Jameis is a real wild card. He's got, you know, the high upside, but he's also possibly got the lowest floor of, of this group as well. Kill. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I, I just I just really want to hear from you on this because, you know, it's something I actually, you know, before we got on, you know, talking with each other today, I actually considered bumping him up a few spots and I just kind of just off the name value alone. But I mean, do you think, you know, Scott mentioned it, Scott thinks the defense falters. I mean, do you think that Wilson deserves to be a top 12 quarterback? Like, I know you have him ranked that way, but, you know, do you see a possibility of him really kind of fading? I, I don't. I Russell Wilson's uh, once again has that high floor for me as far as the uh, running ability. And like Scott said, that defense is nowhere what it used to be. So I got a feeling they're going to be in a few more shootouts this year than they're typically used to. I mean, yeah, they're going to lean on that run game quite a bit. But Russell Wilson always finds a way to get outside the pocket. He always finds a way to hit his man downfield. I mean, he's a complete. He's a completely accurate quarterback. I mean, it's one of those like it, the guy can. The guy can play. It's just I can't put him too much higher than what I have him. I'm, I'm really having a hard time putting him in that top 10, just basically because Seattle's never really done him any favors as far as trying to build around him. So that's where I kind of see that. Like I just kind of see him teetering right there just outside the the top 10 range. But the rushing ability is always going to kind of keep him up there for me. Yeah, and I, I just think you look at that that division now. You've got two games against Arizona, and if they do what we think they're going to do, that's going to be a shootout. Then you go ahead and go to the Rams. That's another game that, you know, two games a year that, that can be a shootout. And a lot of people are high. I, I think Kyle Shanahan's a great offensive mind, a great coach, and now they have Garoppolo back. So that's a, another two games, six games within their division that can all end up being shootouts. Now, there's, I think I'm going to, we'll touch on it a little bit later, but just he's in this range right now. You know, we talked a little talked a little bit about it this week. Um, Scott, has there any has there been any thinking on your end that would cause you to move Jameis Winston up from seventeen, hiding number seventeen in your rankings? I can move him up maybe two or three spots, but like I said, this this whole group's kind of jumbled in there. If I have to pick one person that I think has the most likely chance to bomb, it's Jameis. But he also <laughs> has one of the higher upsides when you start looking at things. It's just it's just a matter of be, me being a little less comfortable with the floor and you looking at his, his ceiling and, and being a little bit more in love with his ceiling than what I am. Sounds fair. So, anything from you, Kilby? I mean, I mean, I'm right there with, with Scott as far as the floor because Jameis doesn't – I mean, he, he can run, but he doesn't – like to a lot like he doesn't run quite as often as 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 you would think he would so i I could see where scott stands with that as far as his floor being a little lower yet he does have that high ceiling so it's definitely you're definitely gonna be taking a gamble there definitely and you know someone actually it's it's kind of a group of guys that you know you you might just gamble on just because of the name value i think scott mentioned that is there is there you know these guys right here Jameis winston at number 10 philip rivers at 11 wilson at 12 drew Brees 13 and ben roethlisberger at 14 is there anything else we really need to add to these guys uh, anything on you know the steelers offense do we think that offense is different 
Well, the offense is definitely going to be different, and, and that's the reason why you have Roethlisberger as low as what you do. I mean, last year he was easily a, a QB1, and now we have him just outside of that QB1 range in 12-team leagues. So I, I think we've adjusted the rankings properly for, for what they're going to lose with, with Antonio Brown and, and trying to replace it with, with Dante Moncrief and the rest of the wide receivers that they have there. You know, James Washington had, had a good college career, and maybe he can get deep and, and play that, but that role that, that they're missing. But it'll be interesting to see how they, they move forward. And let's face it, Ben Roethlisberger two years ago was talking about retirement and didn't even want to come back and play football <laughs> and, you know, was going to end up losing about $8 million. So I think he's getting at the end of the rope. This could actually be his last year. So how much is is he going to go ahead and do that? You know, is Antonio Brown the whole problem with that team? That team just quit last year, you know, especially in the last two weeks. So, you know, I think Roethlisberger's priced properly for, for who he is and what he's done and, and what, the ups, what the season could, could bring. So I, I, I have no problems with where he's at. And, I, you know, I think the offense is, is going to be similar to what it is. I actually think they might lean on the running game a little bit more. Yeah, exactly. So we're going to go ahead and move into our top nine players here. Sitting at number nine for consensus between us three, we have Jared Goff. Now, Andrew, you're the lowest on him at 11. Scott and I are both sitting at with him at eight. Tell us, uh, why do you have Jared Goff outside your top 10? Yeah, so it's actually something that I'll, um, you know, I'll probably maybe adjust in the coming days. I think actually... Um, it's really just been so this jumble up right here, 11, 10 and nine uh, kind of goes golf for me personally, golf, Wentz and Rivers. Rivers I have at nine just because it's Melvin Gordon holdout. I think if I think if Gordon's not there, I, th- I think give Rivers a little bit of help. Plus, even if Gordon is there, I think Rivers has a plethora of targets. I mean, you look at what the Chargers have. Hunter Henry has, has, has really been great. Uh, I mean, I know he was injured a little bit last year, but I mean, the guy's good. You know, you look at Mike Williams, Keenan Allen. I mean, they're just, they got a lot of good guys. So I, I like Rivers. So the reason I have golf really that low is just because I just like the other guys more. I don't really have anything against golf. I think Cooks, Woods, and Cup could all be top 24 guys. And I know Scott has an argument about that, kind of mentioning the history of fantasy football and quarterbacks and supporting that many guys and not being that good. But just look, I just, I look at golf, I look at Wentz, I look at Rivers in that little area, and I just kind of like Wentz's upside a little bit more uh, with the legs. I like Rivers' weapons better. Uh, It's just kind of where it goes. And I also think, look, I think Todd Gurley could be a reason that golf could be moved up in the rankings, moved lower. I think if Gurley's not 100% and they're not committed to the run as they used to be, golf could be someone who could easily slide in as a top-eight guy. But I just... I like the weapons in uh, Philadelphia. I like Zach Ertz, his red zone presence. I like Jeffrey in red zone. I just really like Philadelphia's offense. And I'm just just, just kind of like them guys more. I don't, I don't really think it's really anything against golf personally, if, if that kind of makes any lick of sense. Yeah, I think when you start looking at, at this group, and it, it's more of the same, and it just goes back to how deep quarterback is this year. I think there's something for, for everybody. A lot of these guys have upside. And, and like we just talked about with golf, if if Cooper Cup comes back healthy and you have a healthy Brandon Cooks and a healthy Robert Woods, they all have the ability to be top 24 wide receivers at the end of the year. So for me, that's reason why I have golf placed where I do at eight. You know, the one thing with golf is that – he gives you those really, really high-scoring games, but he also can can go ahead and give you some of the bad ones. 
So it, it's just a matter of how much, you know, or do you depend on Cooper Cup coming back of, of raising his play? Because that's part of the reason why they say that he slumped towards the second half of last year. But, you know, down the stretch, he didn't do so well. I mean, you're talking one game, you know, where he had over 17 and a half points. So, and, and that was the final week against San Francisco. So, you know, he had some stinkers in there against Chicago, uh, against Philly, and even another one against Detroit. And that's all with Cooper Cup out. So it'll be interesting to see what happens when Cooper Cup comes back. But also, you know, when Gurley got hurt last year, they really stopped throwing the ball to the running back. And I, I think Darrell Henderson is going to come in and, and take some of that slack off, at least at a minimum be an insurance policy to, to what Todd Gurley is in the receiving game as far as the running backs. I actually think Darrell Henderson could be a, a Chris Thompson type of role of what you saw Chris Thompson do in Washington, you know, under under that coaching staff when they were there. So, you know, I, I'm comfortable where golf is. I, I think – the person that I'm least comfortable with, even though I have him ranked higher, actually I have him ranked lower, two spots below golf, is Cam Newton. Cam Newton's my number 10, and you know I, I'm a little bit concerned with that shoulder injury. They're, they're taking it easy on him in camp, but you also have some pieces there that that haven't really broken out yet. You know, you've got McCaffrey there in, in, in the running back in, in the passing game, but you've got some young receivers there waiting to step their game up. All right, moving on. We'll move on to Carson Wentz here. He is our number eight. Andrew, you have him at 10. I have him at nine. Scott, you have him at seven. I'm interested here uh, with Scott's ranking at seven simply because the last two seasons, you know, fantasy players haven't been able to count on Carson Wentz when it came to the end of the season. So I know we don't like to look at what happened last season, but we got to look at the fact that it has happened two seasons in a row. So tell us why you got him at seven. Yeah, I like the offense. I like the weapons that, that they've added there. Um, I, I just don't gamble on injuries. Very few times while I, I sit there and, and try to, to bet on an injury. Fantasy football is hard enough trying to, to predict the future as far as what's going to happen. But, I mean, really, when I look at, at Carson Wentz's numbers, his adjusted yards per attempt last year were, were 7.9, which, which is good. You know, 5.2% touchdown percentage, low interceptions, the only, you know, 1.7% interception rate. So I'm comfortable with his production. He does add a little bit in it, you know, on the ground with a, with a few rushing while he does do it recklessly. I'm comfortable with that offense. I, I think that offense is going to put up points. I think they're going to be a playoff team. You know, the, the Redskins suck, the Giants suck. So he's got four games right there where he, he should be able to put it up. If I'm sitting there praying or worrying about an injury, then you can miss a lot of good talent worrying about an injury. There's there's a, such a thing as called an injury bounce back year, and this is what I expect from Carson Wentz this year. I, I think he actually has top five upside. I like I, that take. I I agree completely. I you know I don't know if you'll have much to add, Kilby. I really don't have much to add except that look, Scott said it best. Don't worry about the injury history. Uh, you know Wentz played that limited year last year, but look, twenty one and a half fantasy points per game is what I have down for that. I mean he he was on per game basis, he was a top 10 quarterback. So I just, I love the weapons, love the upside. And I think someone like Miles Sanders, uh, is it really going to hurt him? I think it's just someone that's going to, could excel the uh, ceiling for Carson Wentz. Yeah. So our next guy there is Cam Newton, which Scott has already uh, talked about. Do we need to say anything else about Cam Newton here? From my angle, um, you know what, what I'd like to say about Cam Newton is what Scott mentioned. I think Scott said it best, you know, that shoulder's kind of worrisome. Someone who I just think you need to keep an eye on from the camp perspective. But at the same time, I am kind of worried about the shoulder. But at the same time, I could also see him bouncing back. So I think 
Cam is someone who just, I think, mindful, you know, if you're drafting, um, I think the ADP for Cam at quarterbacks is ninth overall. Just just be mindful and just, I think, if you can get him at value, uh, take him. But to finish the year, I do like Cam Newton as uh, quarterback number eight. So our next guy here is going to be Mr. Baker Makefield, which we all seem to be in agreement on as the sixth overall <laughs> quarterback here. You know, got to re- we revamped that offense there. They got some Odell Beckham Jr. there to stretch the field and uh, take some cornerbacks off of Jarvis Landry who could take some stuff down low. Got David Njoku. You've got Nick Chubb out there that he could throw to. So, I mean, there's a lot of things Baker Mayfield can do. He can really carve up some defenses with uh, all the weapons that they've given him. So I'm really excited to watch this team this year. For the first time in my life, I could say I'm excited <laughs> to watch the Cleveland Browns. Andrew, tell us what you think. Super excited as well, Kilby. I, I mean, I'm a huge um, Odell Beckham fan, fan. I know Scott mentioned I plant my flag on Rodgers as the best quarterback to play the game of football. I think talent level, I think Odell Beckham is the best receiver in football. I, th- I think he's incredibly talented. I think a healthy year from Odell gives Baker – an insane ceiling. Uh, I just actually, I'm just, I, we're all in agreement. So there's really not much to, for me to, to really convince any of you guys on, but Scott, I want to, I want your take on this because I think it's possible. Do you think it's possible or do you think it's crazy to believe that Baker could throw for 4,800 yards with 40 touchdowns this year? Like that, that's possible, right? Look, Baker could very easily be the, the quarterback one at the end of 2019. When we're talking about this, you look at the weapons that he has and, it's kind of funny because during before the draft, he, he took the whole Brett Favre, you know, picture kind of re- redoing what Brett Favre did when he, he got drafted. And it, it was it was hilarious to me. But that's kind of what I view Baker Mayfield as is a, a little bit more accurate Brett Favre with a little bit more personality. And now he's got the weapons in Odell Beckham, you know, 22 points per game last year as a rookie best quarterback I've seen from a rookie season you know since Andrew Luck and, and I actually think he's right there with Andrew Luck and we're talking you know Andrew Luck's in this next tier up but with Andrew Luck's little bit of his calf injury or are, are we really discounting Andrew Luck to the point where Baker might be getting drafted over him and I, I, look I saw it in the Scott Fishbowl it's a super flex draft but somebody took Baker in the first I, I think you're gonna have some <laughs> leagues out there pumped up about Odell and you're going to see Baker getting overdrafted a little bit, but I am in agreement. Like six sounds like a, a solid slot. I could actually maybe make an argument for him to be over Matt Ryan, but he's right up there within that top five, top six guys. I, I think I look at, and I'm about to, I, you're about to talk Kilby. I just, I just want to bring this up and actually I'll throw this to you, Kilby. I look at, I look at a guy like he was compared to him because of his size. I don't think he plays like him. I think the best comp for Baker is Brett Favre. But he was compared to Drew Brees just because of the size. And I look at Drew Brees' first year when he really got weapons. He had weapons in his in his Super Bowl year with the Saints, but they ran the ball a lot. I, I look at a year in, like, 2011, one of the best offenses to ever step foot on an NFL field. Brees threw for 5,500 yards. Now, Maker Bayfield's not going to throw for 5,500 yards, but Kilby— Again, I'm just going off of Scott. Do you really do you think it's possible that Baker could have a Drew Brees like season and throw for five thousand yards and forty five plus touchdowns? Like is that possible? 
Well, a lot of things about the quarterback position is confidence, and we know Baker Mayfield brings that to the field. I mean, the guy has the swagger. He has the confidence in himself. So, yeah, I, I fully believe with the weapons he has right now, the sky's the limit. The biggest thing I would be concerned about in this particular offense would be any type of drama that might unfold off the field as far as, you know, I mean, you got Odell Beckham, you got Jarvis Landry. We both know that they're highly emotional players. You've got Baker Mayfield, who isn't afraid to call out anyone. So if this team is gelling, I, I could see this being, you know, a hot rod just flying down the field. Just, I mean, this thing could just be lights out back and forth down the field. But if all of a sudden if things just don't seem to go well or somebody happens to make the wrong kind of comment, it could all I just see it to where it could all go sour very quickly. Now I don't want to look at it like that. Like I, I I'm like I said, I want to see this team play every week. I'm I'm excited to watch this go down. So to answer your question, Andrew, yeah, I, I see this guy having the ability to put up as many gaudy numbers as he wants to. Do we think it's possible that from a fantasy perspective, not a real life perspective, do we think, Scott, that it's possible that Nick Chubb hoarding some touchdowns could possibly get in the way of Baker having a top uh, quarterback season? I mean, Nick Chubb's going to get his, and you have a lot of people even confident whenever Kareem Hunt comes back. That's going to be another piece added to this offense. I think this offense is going to score a ton of points. So the opportunities are going to be there for everybody to get theirs. You know, I don't have a problem with Odell and Jarvis. They go all the way back to high school of being friends when they were getting recruited at LSU. The wide receiver coach here in Cleveland's the the coach that recruited them to LSU. I I think everything is gelling. I, I don't think anything's going to go wrong as long as they're winning. I think everything will be great. I don't see, foresee anybody getting out of line. And like it or not, Baker's the leader of that team. Just from a personality standpoint, a confidence standpoint, they're going to get in line and, and go at him. All the veterans took to him last year. You know, he, he, you, you even look at what he, what he did with the coach after he left last year, you know, he had some choice words. I don't think he's scared to, to speak his mind. And I think players respect that and are going to get behind him. And I think it's, it's going to be a show. Yeah, I agree with you there, Scott. I mean, as far as Jarvis and Odell, like what I mentioned there is just as far as them being highly emotional people, it's just who they are. And I don't necessarily see those two necessarily getting into it with each other or anything like that. It's just, I'm just saying if things aren't necessarily, that offense isn't really going the way that they expect it to go, that thing kind of happens. But um, what I was going to say here is that, yeah, one of the things I noticed was there was an interview with Odell Beckham Jr. where I totally saw, for me, a completely different side of him as far as when they were talking to him about Baker Mayfield and they were asking him, like, do you, you ask Baker, hey, like, I really want the ball here or I really want the ball there. And he literally just stopped and was like, no, wherever he tells me to be, that's where I'm going to be. So I that for me that, that that's a whole different side of Odell that I've never really seen before so I can see that he's coming in he's having respect and he's looking to go out and win so I can't wait to see it I think the big thing with that is you can go back and watch the film and there was plenty of times where he was open and Eli Manning just simply cannot get him the ball and, and it's not from a misread perspective it's just Eli cannot throw the ball deep anymore and you know he's running out there with that limp noodle arm which is probably why he's going to get his job taken by Daniel Jones this year so I, I think Odell's refreshed and I think he's looking to prove everybody that, that basically talked shit on him in the Giants organization wrong. Next up on our list here is going to be Mr. Matt Ryan, which we also all are in agreement on as our number five quarterback this season. Scott, I know you're pretty high on Matt. Let's let's hear your take on this to start. 
Well, I think you just look at you know these these next couple of guys. But Matt Ryan's had an MVP season. Julio's one of the most talented wide receivers that we've seen over the last decade. You had Calvin Ridley come up. Muhammad Sanu, year in and year out, people don't like it, but he's usually right around uh, the you know wide receiver three in that thirty-four to thirty-six range. You know, even though you don't draft him to be that, and, and then you start just looking at that offense, and even Austin Hooper came on last year with over seventy receptions. So I, I think this offense playing indoors as much as they do, also playing against the Saints and in a, a weak Tampa Bay defense, I, I think Matt Ryan's just set up to have another nice year. Uh, I, I think he'll be within the top seven quarterbacks at the end of the year, and and he's something that's just he's a he's a safe player I think at this point in time that may slip down a little bit further than than some of these guys that we just talked about like Baker Mayfield could jump up and you're definitely going to have the Aaron Rodgers, Andrew Luck love so I I just think I, I'm comfortable with him being right there at five I could possibly move him down to six and and let Baker jump him but I mean he's right there and I expect that Atlanta offense to move the ball well. Yeah, I'm with Scott on that, and, you know, I really don't have much to add, except, you know, I think it plays to the upside of Matt Ryan. I think the uncertainty of Devontae Freeman in that running game um, for the Falcons just kind of plays to Matt Ryan's uh, fantasy production and his ceiling. I I think, you know, he's one Devontae Freeman injury away from Ito Smith being the every down back. Really, that that doesn't really move any needles for me, so I, I think... Matt Ryan is probably he's probably one of the safest quarterbacks in my opinion. I, I think he's someone who you can pencil in for, like Scott said, a top seven, top six year. Let me ask you guys this real quick. So when Kyle Shanahan came in, it took Matt Ryan a year to get comfortable with that offense, and then when Shanahan left, came Sarkeesian, and it took him another year to get comfortable. Now he's switching over to Cotter. Do we have any concerns as far as that first year learning a new offense? Do you feel any kind of regression as he doesn't seem to be like a quick learner here? Well, if I'm not mistaken, wasn't Cutter in Atlanta before he went to Tampa Bay? So did he overlap and, and, and coach Matt Ryan at, at his time in Atlanta? So so the thing about Dirk Cutter, which is which is really funny. So so what Scott brings up is is technically true. So Cutter was in Atlanta for I think three years, I think. You think he was the offensive coordinator? Uh, I just have to look it up to confirm, but I think he was like two to three years, and that was early in Matt Ryan's career. But what's more imp- important about Cutter is that he throws the ball. Uh, he's almost like a Bruce Arians type. So, you know, it's, that's why I'm kind of so high on Jameis. I think Bruce, he's basically pray, played in a Bruce Arians offense. I think Cutter's going to let loose. Um, hopefully he can find a way to get Julio Jones the ball inside the 10 yard line. We'll have, to, we'll have to wait on that. The jury's still out on that, but, um, yeah, okay. Yeah. So cut 2012 to 2014, uh, Dirk Cutter was the offensive coordinator in Atlanta. So Ryan knows Cutter's offense. He knows how he is. Um, I, I'm not really too concerned on that part. I'm just, um, would love to see Julio get some touchdowns. I think if Julio could ever get double digit touchdowns, I think Matt Ryan and Julio Jones would be like, one and one in their respective positions. So hopefully Julio can get the ball and uh, Ryan can um, just keep slinging it everywhere, which I really don't have a doubt that he will do. So let's knock these last four quarterbacks out and, and and we'll kind of skip over these two guys. I I think, you know, Aaron Rodgers and and Andrew Luck, we, we have at three and four. I have Rodgers at three. Y'all both have uh, Luck at three. So that's the difference. I think Andrew, Andrew Luck is a, I think he's gonna gonna have a nice 
basically recap of what he did last year. I think Rodgers is the person that you have to look for. You know, he had one of his worst years last year as far as like efficiency went. But, you know, you've got Marquez Valdez-Scantling out there. You've got Geronimo Allison, who was tearing it up and was on pace to have over a thousand yards before he got hurt. So I, I think that offense, you know, you have a new coach that's going to be calling some things a little bit differently. But so far in camp, they're saying Rodgers has taken to it. So I think we're both comfortable with where those guys are at. Now, the interesting part of our rankings, we've got Deshaun Watson and Patrick Mahomes. And I, and it looks like Kilby changed it over as well. I have Deshaun Watson, number one, instead of Patrick Mahomes. And you know, Andrew, I'd love to see what you think about this. And Kilby, I'd also like to hear why you changed. I'll go first so I can be the one. It's just so funny because when we, when I was when we put our rankings together, I was kind of laughing because I was like, yeah, I got Deshaun Watson number two. I'm pretty high on him. And then you guys come in here and blow me out the water. So now I'm like out here telling you why he should not be number one, even though I have him number two. So, look, I'm super high on Deshaun Watson for starters, I'm super concerned about the offensive line. They got sacked 62 times last year. I'm just super worried about it. It's as simple as that. They didn't really do much, in my opinion, to fix that offensive line. Um, their run game is weak, um, super weak, in my opinion. Um, I just, I'm just nervous about it from that aspect. But again, then again, he, here's something I, I'm super curious about. Deshaun Watson's rookie year, the guy started six games. Um, you know, he played that half of that other game. He had 20 touchdowns in those six games, and he's good. Deshaun is good. He's been compared to a young Aaron Rodgers. I mean, Watson is good. You see it on tape. He had 26 touchdowns last year in 16 games. So I can see why you have him, number one, you guys. Um, I can see 26 touchdowns being pretty fluky. I think he can have more than that. I think Watson could easily put up 35-plus touchdowns and then on the and then on the same side of things if he really wants to. And he might have to because, again, he might be running for his life. He can repeat 550 rushing yards, I mean, easily. So I think that's where his upside um, yields. I'm just – I guess I'll let Kilby talk because I my more, my concern isn't really about you guys having Deshaun Watson number one. I'm just so shocked that you have someone above Patrick Mahomes. That's kind of where my shock is. But, Kilby, I'd love to hear you talk about Deshaun Watson. What I like about Deshaun Watson is definitely more of his rushing ability over Patrick Mahomes. What we saw from Patrick Mahomes last year was, I mean, it's unprecedented. And the amount of numbers he put, I mean, he put up video game numbers. It was insane. And I'd see that regression potentially coming. I mean, it is Andy Reid's offense. And what I like about Deshaun Watson definitely is more of he's, his ability to run the ball. Plus, he's got Nuke Hopkins out there. He's going to have Will Fuller back. He's got Kiki Cutie underneath. Really, honestly, I, I consider these guys 1A and 1B. Scott? Yeah, I think uh, just for me, it's the thing that I'm concerned the most about, and Kilby hit on a little bit, it's just the regression. Uh, you start looking at the other players that have passed for over 50 touchdowns, and, and they've had on average like a, a drop-off of about 12 touchdowns the following year. So I think it's going to be very hard for Patrick Mahomes to, to repeat what he did. And, and you know, I don't remember the exact numbers, but when's the last time we've had a quarterback finish back-to-back seasons as the QB1? Yeah, I, I can't remember the last time that that's actually happened. But specifically with Deshaun Watson, it, it's what he can do with his legs. It's you know you, you start looking at the Houston offense, and they've been in, in the tops. They've been you know top twelve in pace. Uh, you know each of uh, Bill O'Brien's 
you know, years there coaching. So I'm comfortable with what he can do. And most of all, he's getting Will Fuller and Kiki Kuti back healthy. You know, Kuti's a deep sleeper. We know what Will Fuller does when he's healthy. He's one of the elite deep deep threats in the league. So I like the weapons that are there. And, and you're talking about Lamar Miller in the running game not really being able to get it. That's all the more reason why they're going to be passing. So I'm comfortable with Deshaun Watson being my number one uh, quarterback. And, you know, if he were to drop, he's a guy I might think about taking a little bit early. And especially if I, I draft towards that late, that late part of the, the first round I, and I go ahead and take Hopkins, I, I would definitely jump a little bit early and, and pair and go ahead and stack Hopkins with uh, Watson. Here's my thing, though. How much do you, if you had to guess, how much do you think Mahomes regresses, though? I mean, he had 5,050 last year. He only had 250 rushing yards. I mean, it wasn't like he ran the ball a lot. He only had two rushing touchdowns. He did a lot of his damage in the air. So let's say 5,050, it's not going to happen. What are you thinking, Scott? I'll go with you first. Do you think, what do you think is realistic for Mahomes this year? You think 4,600 yards and 45 touchdowns? Uh, I mean, one of the things that I look at is his touchdown percentage. And if you start looking at the guys that were at the top last year, you know, Russell Wilson was 8.2. That was a high outlier season for, for him. You know, he hadn't had a season over seven, but Ryan Fitzpatrick, as well as he played last year, he was at 6.9. Drew Brees is at 6.5. Patrick Mahomes was at 8.6 last year. So that that's a high, high touchdown rate. It's just... I don't think that it you can reproduce that. I mean, if he has 36 touchdowns, or, you know, in that 36 to 40 range, he's going to have a good year. But uh, is that worth drafting in, in the first round? I mean, well, you're paying a premium right now for Patrick Mahomes. Well, of course. I mean, that's where it goes out. I mean, I'm just – okay, look, that's a good thing. I'm glad you said that, I guess. It's good to look at it from a, okay, well, you don't want to pay that premium. Of course, I don't want to pay, I don't want to draft Patrick Mahomes in the second round. But if I'm looking at, if I'm in a league like you mentioned, you mentioned the expert league, if I'm in a league where people are waiting on quarterbacks, I might draft Mahomes in the fourth round because here's my thing on Mahomes. Kareem Hunt last year was averaging 23 points per game at the running back position. He was dominating at running back, and he did a lot of work in the receiving game. Sure, he did. He also ran the ball for 800 yards in 11 games, seven touchdowns. I mean, the guy was on pace for a killer year. It's fair to it's fair to say that their run game is worse this year. Completely fair to say. Mahomes outscored Matt Ryan by 93 points. So if Mahomes regresses just a little bit, I think it's completely fair to estimate that Mahomes is going to blow blow the rest of the competition out. Kilby, do you kind of? Those points I just made, do you think maybe a worse run game and slight regression could still keep Mahomes as quarterback one? I mean, I know it's one and two, so sure. But, I mean, do you just, you know, do, do you, are you kind of down for Mahomes in that round four range? No, nah, I mean, if I could get him, if I could get him around in round four, if it just falls to me that way, I I could take him. I, it's The thing is, he's going to go before round four. I, I doubt. I mean, yeah, there's, no, I, I agree. It's going to go way before round four. I mean, just everyone seeing what he did last season. I, there's just, I just don't see any scenario where I'm, I, I don't even think he fell that far in a league. I did in a redraft last year, which was crazy. The hype was so, was so big coming in. It, he went off the board so quick. It blew my mind. So with the numbers he put up last year, I, I, I see people, I, I see, I don't really see him getting out of the second round in a lot of leagues, to be honest with you. So, have you got, this is 
question for both you guys, and you can answer it in any order you want. I guess Scott can answer first. You are you are drafting at the end. Of, you're beginning around five. Mahomes and Watson are on the board. Are you taking either of them? Are you taking Mahomes? Because it's kind of it's kind of wild to me to to think that if I draft four pretty good draft picks, if I'm not going to take Mahomes as my fifth player off the board. Scott, what do you think about that? It's tough to pass up on either of those guys there in the fifth round. I mean, that's uh, it'd be a miracle if either one of them. Of course, there. no, of course, but, yeah. You know, it, it just. It makes you wonder, though, if nobody's picked quarterback within the fifth round, you know, how many of these skill position players are, are really flying off the board? So what's your, what's your team kind of looking like there in the fifth round? So I think at that point in time, you have to take the edge where you can get it. And if the edge is taken either Mahomes or Watson at that point in time, I'd go ahead and take them, especially if I have, you know, if I went Kelsey, I'd take Mahomes. If I went Hopkins, I'd I'd go ahead and take Watson. Kill me. Yeah, I mean, I could... I could I could I could make a case most likely just because of the type of season that Mahomes had last year, the of where you could potentially get Watson. I could see him falling to the fourth or fifth round potentially, uh, depending on your league. But Mahomes is just there's just no way he's making it there. I just I just don't see it. He just put up too high numbers, and people tend to latch on to what happened last season. I mean I mean if they fell that far, then yeah, I'm all over it. No no doubt. And I usually wait a long time to take quarterbacks but if those guys are there in the fourth fifth round yeah yeah i mean towards the end of the fourth fifth yeah i'm all over it either one of them so let's go ahead and play a little game and and we'll we'll kind of get some sleepers and, and stuff in here but of the guys in the top 10 who's the one guy that you're not drafting that you're not going to come out of out of there with that you're the lowest on for what, whatever reason whether it be ranking adp costs you know or just however you feel about them. Yeah, for me, you know, it's kind of a hard decision because I'm really like, I'm really, I'm open to taking anybody. But if it's anyone I'm not going to take, it's going to be probably Cam Newton. Uh, I do have him as my eighth ranked quarterback. But I'm just, I'm a little nervous about the shoulder. I think it's something I'm going to monitor all year. And I think it's going to be something to where if I don't see him in the preseason, I'm going to move down. But right now, just to where he's going, I'm probably going to pass on Cam Newton. I'm just worried about that shoulder. I'm worried about them starting to lean on McCaffrey more. I'm just a little worried about it. So Cam Newton would probably be a guy I really would just kind of avoid. Yeah, for me, I'm t- uh, Carson Wentz is going to be my guy here. It's really hard to, s- to see yourself passing up any of these guys in the top 10. But if I had to choose one, I'm going to go with Carson Wentz just based on the fact that, you know, we touched on it earlier. The last two seasons, he just wasn't able to stay healthy towards the end of the year, not getting me to where I needed to be once I, you know, making that playoff run or even hitting the playoffs. He's just not available. So that, I'm, that's, I mean... That's the only reason why I would stick away from him there. I like Andrew's point about Cam Newton. So, I mean, both of those guys. But, yeah, my guy's going to be Carson Wentz here just because I just want to make sure I have somebody I feel like I know is going to be there at the end of the season no matter what. Yeah, and for me, we just talked about the guy that I'm not taking anywhere in the top 10, and that's that's Patrick Mahomes. I just think the value proposition is is, is not there. You're going to have regression. So if you do pick Mahomes, it's probably going to be in one of the first two rounds. And, and with this class and with the quarterback class being so deep, there's just no way I can convince myself to – to pay a premium price for somebody who's going to regress and do worse than what he did last year. I think when you start looking at quarterbacks and and you you look at Patrick Mahomes last year, the reason why he won so many people leagues was because of how late they got him. 
how much upside he had in, in relation to where he was drafted. You're not getting that upside that you got last year because you're not able to build out the rest of your roster with those premium picks. So for me, it's just going to be Patrick Mahomes. I, I still think that he can have a phenomenal year. You know, last year he had 50 touchdowns. So if he falls off and has 10 less touchdowns, 12 less touchdowns, you're still talking about 38 to 40 touchdowns. It's just that the regression that I expect to come and, and hey, I could be wrong. You know, last year may not have been an outlier season for him. He could put up video game numbers this year. It's just I'm not willing to pay the cost that it's going to take to acquire Patrick Mahomes. So, uh, guys, there's anyone outside the top 15 that you're jumping on taking late who's it going to be scott you know for me we actually we talked on him and a lot of people are just down on him but we talked about kirk cousins and for me you start looking at things and, and kirk cousins last year was basically the the qb9 you know he put up 353 fantasy points 22 Fantasy points per game. I know he fell off a little bit at the end of the year, but you've got Dalvin Cook coming back that I expect to have a great year. You've got two top 15 wide receivers and Adam Thielen and, and stuff on digs. They added, you know, another tight end there out of Alabama with Irv Smith Jr. And, and actually, hey, they got a young white boy wide receiver out there with the last name of BB that's turning some heads in, in the slot out there. So they could have an extra slot receiver that they didn't have last year. I just think when you start looking at, at how low, and even we have Kirk, Kirk Cousins ranked low, I, I think anybody down there in that range, I, I'm comfortable taking, you know, going that late for, for a quarterback. I'm, I'm comfortable getting Kirk Cousins as one of my two quarterbacks waiting that long. Andrew? Yeah, I really, um, I, I'm looking at Jimmy Garoppolo. I, I'm really just, it really comes down to some of the weapons out there. Um, you know, I said last week that from a fantasy perspective, when I'm picking kind of those middle wide receivers, I'm nervous about some of those San Francisco wide receivers just because I don't know who's going to be consistent. But I, I don't have to worry about that for Jimmy G. I think he's got weapons. He's got Kittle. He's got Pettis. He's got a potential, potentially good rookie in Debo Samuel. Um, he's got an interesting um, running back core that can all catch the ball out of the backfield. I just I think if you're getting Jimmy G at you know uh, quarterback twenty, I mean I, I think that's a steal. I think you could pair Jimmy G with someone like a um, someone like a Kyler Murray. I think that'd be the perfect compliment. I think you could take Kyler Murray first and take Jimmy G second quarterback wise, and I think that's that's a good little pair. So I just Really like the Kyle Shanahan offense. I don't think San Francisco is going to have an incredibly good defense. I think Jimmy G is going to be in some shootouts. So I'm just, I'm really interested in Jimmy G. I think he's going to be a um, good little value for uh, everybody on draft day. Yeah, for me, it's going to be Lamar Jackson. I just really, 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 really like that rushing upside. I mean, looking at it from last season, he came in. It was Joe Flacco's team. And so there towards midseason was a week 11. They thrusted him in. Didn't have a lot of time running with the ones. And he really just kind of showed out. I mean, they really started to formulate that team around him to accentuate his abilities. And I think now that he's had that type of experience and moving into the off season and being able to really start developing more as a passer. He's got that chemistry going on with Mark Andrews. He's got some new weapons around him. So now that that is his team, I just, I, I just feel like there's a lot of excitement coming into this season for the Baltimore Ravens. So in that range, I really like Lamar Jackson. Uh, I'll take a shot on him. I couldn't agree more with Lamar. I'm, I'm, I was tempted to move him up before the show, but I just kind of kept him, you know, where he's at. I think 18 is a good spot for him, but 
I'm really interested in that uh, in Lamar and what he can do. Yeah, I think we're all in agreement on Lamar Jackson. If you're going to go late-round quarterback, and I think he's the guy you target late if you want to go ahead and take that chance on upside. And, and like I said, hey, I am more than comfortable coming out of a draft with Kirk Cousins and Lamar Jackson as my two quarterbacks. Now, let me ask you a question, guys. And, uh, let's say you have a 15-man roster. Are you carrying two quarterbacks? It uh, on, for me, it depends on how comfortable I am with the first quarterback that I drafted. So, I mean, if if you're playing and you get done with your draft and you see, you know, who who's there late at that 15th round pick and you see a bunch of guys names that you're comfortable with on the waiver wire, then, yeah, you only carry one. Yeah, I think it, I think what Scott said it best, I think it really depends on who we get. I tend to. um I actually tend to carry two sometimes because I usually like gambling on these mid round middle round guys. Um, I think I saw again. I said it last year. I had a lot of leagues where I drafted Ben Roethlisberger as a tenth quarterback. And I drafted Patrick Mahomes. I, I had a league where I drafted Cam Newton and Patrick Mahomes. So like when I see a guy like for this year, Kyler Murray, Lamar Jackson, Jimmy G, I want to carry two. I, I honestly do. And I'm also it also comes into play with. You know, it's not really a brag here, but I'm just I'm confident in my ability to to get good values. I'm confident in how I evaluate players to where I think I can get my skill players and still have some room to gamble on a uh, quarterback. I'd rather carry two quarterbacks with that second guy being an upside play than carrying two tight ends. Put it that way. Yeah, no, I never carry two tight ends. That's that's never happening. So, uh, guys, if there's a particular quarterback here that you specifically are targeting in your drafts, who's it going to be, Scott? Yeah, for me, it's it's going to be Jared Goff. We talk about the Sean McVay offense and, and those three wide receivers that he has there. You know, I, you, you talk about the NFC West and of the teams that are in that in that NFC West, it's three week defenses that he has to play. You know, two times each a year. So I, I'm comfortable with, with Jared Goff. You know, I think he's going to have more command of this offense here in the third year. You get a coop, healthy Cooper Cup back, and then you also have Darrell Henderson that I think is going to end up in in a similar role to what Chris Chris Thompson did there in Washington. And at the, at the least, he's going to be insurance if, if something really is wrong with Todd Gurley's knee. So I think that offense will, will keep moving. I think. You'll see some new wrinkles out of Sean McVay this year and, and Jared Goff because of the weapons that he has and the consistency he's, he's had in this offense over the last couple of years. He's probably the guy that I'm targeting most comfortable with at, the, at that ADP. Yeah, Andrew. I think um, I think it's uh, pretty easy. So I'm just going to ride that Jameis Winston hype train and until it derails. Um, you know, I have Winston as my seventh-ranked quarterback. Scott's got him 17. Kilby, you're kind of right in the middle at 10. Um, well, not really right in the middle, but you're kind of more towards me. But I'm just super hyped about Jameis Winston. I think, you know, his average, average draft position is 16. And I really think if he's sitting in that range, I'm going to feast. I'm just going to get a lot of Jameis. I'm going to get a lot of Kyler. I'm going to get a lot of Jameis and Lamar, a lot of Jameis and Jimmy G. I'm just, I really like the upside there with Bruce Arians. I, I think, you know, when we get to, to the positional players, I think there's a real possibility that Mike Evans could finish as a top 10 receiver. Chris Godwin can finish as a top 16 receiver. And O.J. Howard can finish as a top five tight end. I think that's that can all happen in the same offense. And I think at the front of that is going to be the quarterback, and that's going to be Jameis Winston. I think there's going to be a leash for Jameis. I don't think there's anyone really threatening time over there. I think this is his contract year. You mentioned that for Mariota. 
Well, this is big for Jameis, too, and I think they're going to give him that leash. And if Jameis screws up, then I think he's gone. I, th- I think he's, he's out of a job. But I just don't think that's happening. I think the talent's there, and I think there's potential for Jameis to have a 30-plus touchdown season and, you know, all while maybe throw in a few rushing touchdowns because I know he's kind of a big big body down there, and uh, he's had a few sneaks in his career. So Jameis Winston is really the guy that I, I'm really going to have a, on a lot of my teams. Well, I don't really have anyone specific that I could say that I'm targeting, but I do have a guy that if he falls to me in the right spot, I'm taking him, and that's going to be Baker Mayfield because I already know that I'm going to be watching the Cleveland Browns this season. So if I'm going to be watching a lot of games, I'm going to want I'm going to want some stake in it, and I'd love to have Baker, but that's only if he falls to me. I got a feeling he won't just because a lot of people are going to be on that hype train. But if some, for some odd chance there's just no one skill position-wise around and he's still sitting there, I'm going to nab him up quick. Well, guys, I think that's all we've got for our quarterback show. Anything else offhand that you guys want to add? Yeah, we got a little taste with the uh, Hall of Fame game this past week, and uh, I'm pretty pumped even to see Bums play in his first preseason game this week. So you'll you'll hit some guys like here and there that that you're interested in that might get a little bit of playing time, and uh, you can go back and listen to last week's show and and kind of get a gist of the guys that we're watching out for. But you know, I enjoyed uh, seeing some of the all-time greats. You know, Tony Gonzalez getting into the to the Hall of Fame, and Ed Reed, one of the best safeties ever to play the game. So uh, I'm pretty pumped to. Uh, uh, season to start yeah i'm ready for football uh not much to uh not much to add just except you know get the word about get the word out thanks for listening and follow us on twitter shoot us mentions we'd love to um you know help you guys out as much as we can as we uh try to get ready to help you win your fantasy league all right that's our quarterback show guys that'll do it for us have a good night